Hello, happy Monday. Welcome to episode number seven of Point and Line to Head, Elevating Hairdressing. I'm Cody from Washington, D.C., and this is the podcast all about art and design theory for hairdressers. Over the last few weeks, we started conversations about the tangible elements in our work. We have form and light. So geometry and shape and color, weight, temperature, all of that. This week is going to build on those conversations, and we're going to talk about space. So getting the viewer to understand the format and the area that the work actually exists in. As I said previously, any work of art is just a story that the artist tells through their medium. Our goal as artists is to exhibit an intention and it is our ideas and technical skill that furnish that intention. For those ideas to come through clearly, we have to understand the guiding principles that govern all creative expression. Today we're talking this idea of space, getting the viewer to understand the area and context that the work exists in. The contributors to this sort of abstract space are things like drawing the viewer in, getting the viewer to engage, and creating sort of a center of gravity that the work revolves around. And these are the things that allow the whole work to be understood by the person looking at it. We'll start with a quote, as always. This one is from Edgar Degas, a famous painter. And he said, Art is not what you see, but what you make others see. Previously, we talked about this library of personal experiences that everyone carries around with them. And that affects how someone sees a work of art, but it also affects us as the artists. It affects how we tell our story or communicate our concept through our medium. The success in a work of art comes from getting an observer to understand your concept or your story. And what makes that success interesting is when that observer not only understands the concept, but understands it from your point of view. So, art is what you make others see. At this point, we've talked about form, geometry, and we've talked about how that's a physical attribute of our work whether we realize it or not, and regardless of how we work technically, then what animates that form is light, and light directs our eye and gets us to understand that form or that geometry. Next comes this idea of space, which is how we get the viewer to understand the context in which that geometry exists. There are three properties of space, and those are depth, proximity, and emphasis. Depth is a combination of temperature and weight, which we talked about last episode. Proximity is 
in the art theory world, this idea of reference points within the work. And emphasis is creating a focus of some sort in your work. We'll break these down one by one, uh, but I'm going to first sort of recap how we work and things I've said in a few other episodes and breaking down again what it is we do as hairdressers so we understand why this theoretical side of our work is so important. As creative professionals, there's this inherent aversion to order and aversion to rules, which is fine. But it's important to at least acknowledge how people see things, especially as hairdressers. We have to plan and develop and get it right the first time because in a lot of cases we don't have a second chance or we don't have a do-over. We can't just crumble that page up and start all over again. So what we do is this set of abstract calculations at the beginning and then we manipulate and create with our hands. We create geometry, bring that to life with light, and then all of that is brought together with detailing and finishing work. And by learning how to place elements in our work in a precise way, our story becomes much more clear in the end result and our overall concept gets communicated properly. Now, when I say precise, it's not I'm cutting a clean triangle into someone's hair, but precise in that I know why I'm placing it there. And by placing it there, it's going to do X, Y, and Z for my end result. And these conversations pertain to us no matter how we work technically because there are overarching truths in creative expression. So we'll start this conversation about space with depth. Depth is a perceived measurement based on temperature and weight, which we talked about last episode. Cool colors, which are heavy, and warm colors, which are bright and airy. But when we combine cool and warm, we start talking about contrast, complementary colors, chromatic colors, achromatic colors. But fundamentally, when we utilize multiple colors, we create this push and pull effect. Now, we'll go back to the little visual exercise we did previously. We have two squares of equal size on a blank white background. One of those squares is yellow. One of those squares is blue. Both of them are the exact same size. But the blue one will look almost like it's sinking into the background, while the yellow one looks like it's advancing towards us. And that's going back to this idea of qualitative and quantitative, how they influence each other. The blue one looks smaller. It looks like it's sinking. The yellow one, it looks larger because it looks like it's coming out towards us. And that is the most fundamental example of depth. Cool colors are heavy, so they sink into the work, while warm colors advance or pop out towards us. And the same thing applies with shape curved or horizontal shapes or geometry tend to be heavier, while vertical or linear shapes tend to be lighter. 
So say we draw a triangle and a circle on that same white background. They're both the same color, whatever color you want them to be, same size. The circle will look like it's rolling backwards or falling, while the triangle will look like it's floating upwards or floating towards us. And this, again, is just the nature of form. And by being conscious of this, we're able to communicate our intentions with a little more clarity. Now, let's relate this to hair. We talked a few times about this long hair that all gets colored one color. And in the end, it doesn't say much other than this is a lot of hair and it's this color. Think of those pictures on Instagram I'm seeing a lot of lately. The woman with hair down to her ankles and it's all platinum blonde. Now, from a hairdresser's standpoint, we understand what goes into that technically and how challenging that is to create that even color from scalp to ends. But from an outsider's perspective, all that work is saying is this hair is really blonde. But that's where this idea of depth comes into play. Not about the amount of color you use, but how you use color as an element in your work. When you utilize just one color, the work becomes all about the form, the mass, which might be all you need to communicate that story. And what I see a lot of on the internet right now is when you have that girl with one solid color scalp to ends, the only way to make it interesting is by braiding it or tying it in a knot or filming a video where it's moving. Because otherwise, it's as interesting as sort of a, a blank canvas or a canvas painted one color. Now, I'm actually a huge fan of a lot of that work in museums. That's a canvas with a square on it or something. Uh, very minimal. And in a lot of cases, that's what fulfills the artist. So if it fulfills you to create one color solid scalp to ends and do something interesting with the mass and the shape and finishing work, fantastic. Or we could use multiple colors that are all within the same color family to create a small push and pull effect, to create a subtle depth. Say three colors that are all a level five, right? Different example. We're not making the platinum blonde woman a level five suddenly. I know that's a terrible idea. I've done that before. So three colors that are all a level five, and there would be this slight push and pull. Say we have a level 5 gold, a level 5 neutral, and a level 5 blue. And let's say in this example we created a cool spherical shape and placed the coolest of those level 5 shades at the base or the bottom of that shape, and then the medium or neutral shade on top of that, the warmest gold shade through the middle, then we came back in with that neutral shade on top of that and then finished off with that coolest color on top. This creates this slight expansion and reinforces this idea of roundness. 
And that's just one way of using those three shades of a level five of the same color family to play with the idea of depth and reinforce the concept that we've created with the mass. Or we could use radically contrasting colors. Take the same spherical shape and use some extremely vibrant colors. Going back to those complementary colors, we could use a vibrant orange and a vibrant blue. We could color the underside blue and everything on top of that, this bright orange. Now that creates a radical push and pull effect where these two sides of the work are almost at odds trying to run away from each other. But in the end, it's up to you and it's up to how you want to employ this idea of depth in your work. As I said in the last episode, there is no right and there is no wrong. It's all about how your story needs to be told. But by suggesting a background in a foreground or a heavy area and a lighter area, it gives context to your work. It gives it meaning. The viewer now has a grasp on the work and maybe understands the pieces of the work in the way they need to be understood. So depth is this idea of push and pull. Now we have geometry, we have light that's animating that geometry. Now that light has context and that form has context. And the observer understands the geometry and how it's supposed to be understood from our perspective. So we have those pieces all put together. Then comes the part where we get that observer to engage with the work. Not just understand, but look actively at it. Proximity in art is this idea of reference points and creating some sort of order so that the viewer really understands why the elements are there. We'll talk first about this concept and then we'll talk about why it's important to apply some sort of order because I can already hear like six people shouting, but I like to work like this and I don't want this to be organized. So we'll talk about it, we'll get there. But getting back to proximity, there's this idea or philosophy called gestalt, which is all about how the human brain actually connects or groups or relates like or similar elements. If you saw three points on a piece of paper, we start drawing mentally, start drawing lines between them. If those three dots are arranged a certain way, they may become a triangle. If there's four of them, they may become a square, so on. Just like constellations, early man grouped these dots in the sky and imagined incredible things. We like to classify things by nature as human beings. Think of the, the inkblot test, the Rorschach test. What do you see in this inkblot? The human mind tries to relate things to our past experiences, and people comfortably relate to things that are familiar. And something that's incredibly familiar to all of us is geometry, is form, is shape. 
But in a work of art, by placing like elements, whether it's points or circles or bobby pins or whatever they are, by placing those like elements just right, the viewer's eyes then jump from like element to like element in an effort to make some sort of order out of it and relate to it. So we have a push and pull with depth, and then we start getting the viewer's eyes to sort of dance across the entire work. Now, as I go through all of these visual properties, there are plenty of instances where the story can be told without using these properties in an obvious way. But this is where the conversation becomes interesting, because all of these various details are what create the impression of the whole. It's more about being conscious that these things exist and not being concerned that every single time all of these points in my work create a triangle. Now, for those of us who do really expressive work, let's talk freehand coloring because that's a huge thing right now. I'm not going to talk technical at all, but just speaking to those instances where you need things to look random and very organic. This idea of proximity still comes into play. You still want someone to look at the finished product and understand the whole. It doesn't have to hit you over the head that I put these pieces of blue here so they create a line. Rather, it's getting someone to look at the finished product and understand it and relate to it. And there's always an element of geometry because the human brain wants to create it. It desperately wants to relate to the work. The last piece of this space conversation is emphasis, which is truly the example of it's not about how much of something you use, but how you use it. When we look at a work of art, the eye is constantly moving, and we can only see one piece at a time. But we're always drawn back to sort of a center of gravity of some sort. And without focus, the work becomes white noise, or like a solid gray t-shirt from The Gap, or a solid red t-shirt from The Gap, or a solid platinum blonde t-shirt from The Gap. So without focus, the work says nothing. Again, we have weights and temperatures, depth, fundamentally those things boil down to cool and warm. Cold colors and cold forms are heavy, so they sink, while hot colors, hot shapes are bright and they pop out at us. Emphasis is a spontaneous or gradual increase in something. There are two ways to go about this. We have a qualitative route and a quantitative route. We can physically make things bigger or decrease things around something to make it stand out more. We can make things bright or we can make something dark so that everything around it becomes the focus. Let's say we cut another bob. We've cut a bob like every episode at this point. Uh, so we have another bob. 
Now, say we color it all dark, but the client has really striking eyes, and we want to bring focus there. In this dark bob, we could take a bright warm color, say a red or a yellow, and place that at the temples to draw attention to her eyes. It's like creating a neon sign that says we're open. Or on a more technical level, if we create a really square shape on someone and we really want to communicate that this is a square, we could place bright colors in all of the corners of that square shape. And by doing that, we emphasize the idea that it is a square. Or on the flip side, maybe we don't want to draw attention to the fact that it's a square. We could do the opposite, shadow all of the corners with a cool color to draw them in and draw attention from the fact that it is a square shape. I like to talk fairly abstract in these examples because I don't want to influence the way you go about your work. This podcast and my whole education program is purely about facts. It's not about giving you a recipe or a formula or any of that. It's just about information that can help all of us be conscious of all parts of our work. So back to emphasis. On the geometry quantitative side of that spectrum, we can make things bigger or thicker to draw attention to them. Now, say we cut a shag. No more bobs in this episode, sorry. Um, Cut a really piecey shag, lots of texture, the overall feel is light, airy, mobile, but we want to draw attention somewhere. Say it's the client's eyes again, to make this simple. We could then, inside of this light, airy texture, create lines that are harder right around her eyes. Actually carve out a curved line or a crescent shape around her eyes to draw attention to that point. So inside of this airy texture, we have this really grounding quality of these graphic lines. If it's a different feature, we might take that line someplace else. Not saying this is the correct thing to do in every single instance, but it's an example of this quantitative side of emphasis. And like I said a few minutes ago, every single story doesn't always have to be told by using every single one of these properties in a obvious way. Sometimes they happen on their own, or sometimes something just isn't needed or relevant. In some cases, depth is not a relevant part of the story, but in a different concept, everything might revolve around depth. And in a third case, we might have accidentally created a beautiful play of depth because of three other things that we did. But as visual artists, it's important to acknowledge how people see things. And these various components in the work are what makes the work. But to expand on this, if we focus too much on the technical side of things, our creativity gets lost, or we might start overdoing our concepts. 
and things start to look contrived. Le Corbusier, who is an architect, I've referenced him a lot before, and I probably will continue to reference him, at one point said, a house is only habitable when it is full of light and when the floors are clear. Meaning, when something becomes too cluttered, we lose sight of the end goal. We lose track of the concept. And there's this delicate balance between keeping track of the technical side of your work and letting your creativity sort of spill over. Our work is a lot like architecture in that we transform raw materials for a utilitarian purpose, for the needs of a client, based on their lifestyle. If something's beautiful, it's not always practical, and if it's practical, it's not always beautiful. So there's this constant balancing act that we do as hairdressers. And we'll finish up here with another quote. And this is another long episode, too. Tell me if you guys like these to be longer or shorter. I don't know the last two. These are just, like, out of hand. I can't stop talking. Um, This last quote, though, is from Oscar Wilde, who is a writer and playwright. And he said, No great artist sees things as they really are. If he did, he would cease to be an artist. Art only exists with emotion, and intellect and precision don't equal great artistry on their own. Perception, imagination, risk-taking are the things that make a great artist. Understand your fundamentals, understand the technical side of your work, and acknowledge them but don't leave behind your creativity. Let that come through in your work. Thank you again for joining. Thank you again for listening to another long episode. As always, head over to the Point and Line to Head Facebook page for our after show discussion. And my whole class schedule, my classes I do out of my studio are on there as well. Make sure you're subscribed. Be on the lookout every Monday for new episodes. Next week is all about balance. Not just cutting that bob level on both sides, but understanding promotion, promotion, proportion, symmetry, asymmetry. So keep an eye out for that. I've clearly been talking for too long. Thank you again for joining. I'm Cody, and this was Point and Line to Head, Elevating Hairdressing.